Good afternoon, fellow squids. And uh, first, let me apologize for the silent introduction. But second of all, let me, I am so excited to introduce our very special guest today, uh, Mr. Tetranode. Tetra, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, how are you? We're doing good. Thank you. So Tetra, I, there are like one trillion topics that uh, we would love, or I would love to uh, discuss with you. But I think the hottest thing going on right now um, in your world is JPEG DAO. And um, the, the preface to this conversation is you have been uh, really kicking up a storm on Twitter and like letting us know that some pretty major things are coming down the pipelines for JPEG. So um, would you kind of kick off this conversation with first giving us a one sentence explanation of what JPEG is and then tell us um, kind of what the big changes that are coming down the pipeline are? Yeah, so JPEG is an NFT lending platform and it has one of the largest uh, treasury of any NFT lending platform. The token and the tokenomics is relatively undeveloped and um, it's been a year since we had a product. So we, we ran the, the product and, and it's gotten pretty good TVL, you know, even without like, like great assistance from the token itself. And mm -hmm. now we're going to leverage our treasury and, and uh, refine the tokenomics to build like another layer on top of that and perhaps uh, attract even more users and, and increasing yields. Um, yeah. I see in, in the tokenomics, you know, it's, it's just like uh, regular governance voting token. And I'm going to change that by adding several features to it and uh, changing some parameters that increase the uh, efficiency in which we yield. But yeah, I was assured that JPEG was heading to zero. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said while I was, um, you know, collecting it at the bottom. Like even as a seed investor, I don't have enough JPEG. So that's just <laughs> how sure. so yeah, I mean, Tetranode, I think that like one of the things that I respect most about um, the work that you do is that you don't take tech tokenomics as a given. It, you know, tokenomics is a science and an art and something that like can really supercharge what protocols are doing. And so like kind of with that as um, introduction, can you talk a little bit about what was going on with J the JPEG token before, why that wasn't necessarily the most healthy or like positive thing for the protocol, and then the types of mechanisms that you're adding <clears throat> in to like, introduce a mature system. Right. So hold on. Let me just paste like the Leviathan link to a friend here. Oh, then, for, thank you. Uh, yeah, there's just like so many people requesting the link that I'm uh, overwhelmed. Uh, I mean, that uh, okay. makes us feel great, so thank you. <laughs> Please you know, take as much time as you need. You know, Jeez. Okay, I have to paste a link in, into like a group chat so I don't have to do it 10 times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, while we're vamping for time here, we are looking for a Leviathan intern to help us with these types of activities. So if you want to get involved, please reach out. We may be able to get you a Llama NFT badge for your trouble. Which is yeah, better than you get most internships. Like I've worked a lot of internships where I didn't get anything but free coffee. Yeah. Still made uh, a profit on that though. <laughs> so. All right. Well, um, all right. Okay. okay. Um, oh yeah. Gonna put it on the JPEG discord as well. Yeah. I <laughs> think, uh, I, thank you for, for, thank you audience for bearing with us as we figure out, in this moment that it is highly important that we generate a link before we start the show. <laughs> so yeah. thank it's you. Good. It, builds, it builds tension. 
Okay. So, um, tokenomics. tokenomics, yeah. So to begin, like I've uh, started in tokenomics very early, early on, like when uh, in 2019, you know, I was one of the largest LP of MakerDAO, and I was in the the private messages of the Uniswap team, you know, just giving them feedback on their uh, product. So I've been in DeFi as long as it has existed, you know, and <laughs> it took off like a year later in the summer of uh, 2028 and it blinds everyone by storm. And of course, like we all have different ideas about like, like what a token does, you know, back then, like, like things were young, it was a lot less and anything goes. You know, so in 2021, that, that kind of uh, just, just took off in, until um, retail and uh, irrational speculation followed uh, with a blow off top. And from there, you know, we, we saw like what worked and, and what doesn't. And so carrying until like 2022, I was quietly contemplating what can be done. And in 2023, you know, it's, it's finally spec down. So I looked at all sorts of like uh, crazy stuff and even took advantage of it, you know, like, like all kinds of schematics, like even uh, let's just say like from the, the regular stuff, like, like Aave, from synthetics, mm -hmm. from Chainlink, uh, what, what else was in DeFi summer? Of course, you can't forget like uh, earn finance, year finance. Mm -hmm. um, that's <clears throat> that's like the original DeFi summer, and then sushi and so on. So there's a lot of different uh, experiments being played out right now. So from there, you know, we we learned which one doesn't work so well. Even some that have completely collapsed, like uh, Terra slash Luna. <laughs> Um, and we, we saw like some, some tokenomics have survived and in fact is, is doing really well, like, like Cure Finance right now. That, that's mm -hmm. one of the uh, base model that I use for, for my tokenomics. Um, at, at the heart of it, oh, go ahead. You were about to say No, something. no, I think we were about to segue into the exact same thing where, um, so I'd love to hear about like what, uh, how you're building on top of the curve system and what you think like are things that are really working and you want to improve on and what are the things that the curve system right. didn't get quite right and you're trying to um, fix? Um, I say the curve system is working pretty well, which is why we're building on top of it. Um, I think what can be improved, there, there is room to improve indeed. Like the single side of staking, you know, leads to the, the free rider problem. Suppose that I wanted to collect like 30 million VCRB and I just suddenly staked it, you know, and, and now I'm just gone. Now I have 1% of the FTV just like leeching off of like curve without doing any actual work at all. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, the single-sided staking can be addressed in that if you substitute single-sided staking with, with something like an LP token, then you have sort of uh, almost permanent protocol-owned liquidity that's doing work to progress the system forward. So, you know, that, that's the basis of it. Most uh, tokens are useless tokens, you know, for, for one reason or another, like regulate, regulatory reasons, um, not well thought out. Like, like from my experience, you know, you can't just like create like, like a tokenomics and, and be done. Like each ecosystem is, is very, very specific in, in terms of what it needs. And so the JPEG tokenomics is unique to its own. The reason why I have it published out in the open is because I know like if anyone tries to copy it, it will not work because like there are... <laughs> mechanism specific to that uh, situation. Yeah. yeah. So before we, we get into the before we yeah, get yeah, into yeah. the specifics mm -hmm. of the JPEG token, like I, one of the fundamental reasons that my my understanding of the VECRV system was that you are locking your 
CRV tokens to remove mm -hmm. them from the market and take away the liquidity. Right. And so the flip side of, the, of what you're talking about, which is instead of locking a single sided, you lock it into a liquidity position. Um, obviously, that changes that calculus. And so how do you think about um, the dynamics of like liquidity and locking and, um, you know, what you're really trying to achieve by asking people to lock your governance statement? The liquidity taken away from the market, I think it helps in a sense when in uh, sort of raising the premium somewhat. But over a long time, you know, like the premium on the market wears down with every single token that I've seen. So at some point, you know, if the token becomes cheap enough where the cash flow exceeds the value, then of course, like we'll scoop it up. Mm -hmm. So I, I think the, the curve uh, tokenomics uh, continually wear down on that premium. Um, it's, there's also a speculative premium in, in the sense that, hey, you know, if I keep this token and it generates like, what, 5% for me now? What happens if, if like the cash flow increases from CRV USD? You know, it doubles to ten percent, and maybe I should buy some now. You know, that that's the question we have about all tokenomics. Mm -hmm. So suppose that I built a casino, you know, and every lever pull uh, generates like a house token. So that house token, you can now stake it for part of the profit of the casino. You know, become the house. So. It's the same question, you know, if, if the house token generates like 1% now, will it generate like 10 to 15% uh, in the future? So should I keep it or should I take profit right now? You know, that, that's a question of all tokenomics. So people mm -hmm. um, buy useless governance token in the hopes that they turn on the fees. I'm not sure what's happening with the Uniswap ecosystem. You know, it's, it's the, the question has been lingering for a few years now. Um, I hope they turn on their, their fees in the future. You know, that, that would create like, like a great speculation and, and therefore uh, drive capital into DeFi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, so, the, the, mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Oh, by comparison, the, the curve guys, you know, like, like right off the bat, they don't care. They'll do it. And now they're building like, like a uh, CRV USD, which, which I, I see having great promise, you know, like, like in a demonstration. The way that the liquidations work is, is really soft that you don't even notice it. You know, so I think whatever cap that they raise for like uh, Ethereum deposits, it's mm -hmm. going to get eaten up if, if uh, they, they raise a cap to like a billion dollars in ETH, you know, and if the LTV is a little bit higher than, than the highest standard by far, which is 90% LTV, um, then it will eventually like uh, nearly monopolize that, that um, loan market. Yeah. So I see great promise for CRV USD. Yeah. So, um, so, so moving on to talk about like the specific um, features of JPEG and how you incorporate that into the tokenomic design. Um, something I've seen you write about, especially a lot over the last weekend, is about how when you're designing these um, systems, you want to make sure that when you're asking LPs to lock liquidity, you want that liquidity to be useful on both sides of the trade. And yeah. um, so can you talk about like how you designed for that for JPEG? Yeah, it's um, really simple. Um, JPEG, uh, let, let's start with the treasury. You know, we don't, we don't spend it on like stupid uh, NFT events, you know, that cost like six figures, like some NFT platforms. Mm -hmm. We use some yield bearing instruments such as CVX, you know, to give directly to uh, borrowers, you know, and, and that gives us a higher yield than the rest of the market. 
Um, there are engineering uh, subtleties that, that we use, you know, to keep the yields high and, and keep uh, mercenary capital out, including, you know, playing with the A factor. And I think that that's a greatly underestimated tool, you know, in, in the curve war. Very few protocols take advantage of it. Um, I, I guess like, like with the, the A factor, we're trying to build a wall, you know, like kind of build a premium to, to keep the mercenary capital out. So I can elaborate more on that, you know, as, as we scope in the, the conversation. Yeah. So, well, just to signpost what you're talking about a little bit, what you're talking about is that, um, well, well, like what I was referring to is that using P ETH instead of ETH in your LPs. And so, yes. um, but I think you're kind of referencing like a whole nother aspect. <laughs> yeah. So let's just say like Leviathan was trying to create like, like a pool, you know, and let's just say we give out like, like a million dollars a year in, in rewards. Mm -hmm. So how do we keep it exclusive? You know, cause, cause ETH and, and ETH derivatives are very common. So what you do is, is you hand out a limited amount of uh, Leviathan ETH, you know, LETH. So whoever wants to join that pool, they need to have LETH. You know, in an open ecosystem, uh, what you would see is, is like the amount of uh, ETH uh, overwhelming the, the LETH in the pool is about equivalent to about three months worth of farming in the pool. That's, that's a premium I observe. So the rule of thumb is, is really simple. If you have like 20% yields on your pool, the mercenary capital would make it such that, that there will be a 5% uh, premium incurred uh, on that 20% pool. So you just calculate one fourth of your yields as that. You know, these, so so that, that's, that's a very specific detail. The overall, the take home lesson here is that there are stuff that you can notice, you know, being a customer in a pool as well as adjusting the pool parameters that, that literally need skin in the game. There's no amount of like, uh, you know, fine tuned model or sort of engineering that, that can account for this. It's just playing out experience and uh, just getting your hands dirty. Yeah. Well, I think like a kind of a way to look at this is like, um, maybe like the, the left curve, mid curve, right curve um, meme. And we're like, the the left curve or sorry the, the edge curves are like the curve wars are you know like foundational and we all need to pay attention yeah. to it and the mid curve is just like whatever this doesn't make any sense but like yeah. where the left and the right curve differ is on the left you think like okay what the curve wars are is around voting power and emissions and all this stuff mm -hmm. and the tetranode right curve is like no no curve wars involve like the design of stable swap the, like yeah. your a factors you're like which assets and which pools and it's just like tetranode you're taking this to a whole like new level down to like the protocol level not just the emissions level yeah i mean lots of people can uh, create like theories you know but they they let the clout and sort of market making power to to carry out their experiment with full fidelity yeah. Um, it's, it's good that you mentioned like the, the right curve and the left curve, because like the NFT, you know, world in general is, is very, very left curve. They're, <laughs> they're degenerates, they're gamblers. And so for us, you know, like, like the protocol designer for right curve, but ultimately we have to squeeze it all down to something <laughs> easy that the NFT world can understand. And the only thing that, that JPEG, you know, can signal without like, like expending money on advertisement and all that stuff 
is incredible yields. You know, nothing attracts like like uh, capital uh, than yields. It's, it's like a beacon; you can see it from miles away. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter. We don't advertise it. Well, capital will come; it'll it'll come floating in. Like it's yeah. like opening a portal to, to the gates of hell. Like if you have a hundred percent like uh, you know yields on your pool, then someone is going to notice it. They're going to broadcast a bunch of threaders would you know just eat that up for clout and so the the yields advertise itself and at the end of the day there's about like you know five six if not like a dozen lever that i can pull you know on on the uh, protocol just just to get it done um disclaimer i'm an advisor for for the protocol i'm not part of the team so my word is not official so i can post all kinds of things you know and, and you, know, it, you think about it you know like like uh you know, you have sort of the the Ministry of Defense, and then you have like the paramilitary stuff. So I'll <laughs> let you guess, like, like which part I am. Right? You're the totally not involved. You're the hospital. So I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no ID, no. no names. You know, just just a mess up. Yeah. Well, so we got a I think question. Like... Oh, go ahead, Garrett. Oh, I was just going to read off a question coming in from YouTube, which is generally how are new like um, NFTs added to JPEG? Uh, particularly, they're interested in the llama collection. Like I own a llama. Uh, a bunch of people mm -hmm. here like you know like to pretend we're llamas. Uh, like, what's what's yes. the hope for us llamas? Okay, so I thought about this this morning, and I just like invented like a uh, a thing in my head. But let's okay. start with the the basic of the current requirement to onboard onto JPEG. You need to have a chainlink oracle. Otherwise, like the, the amount of work it takes, you know, to, to kind of count for, for debt and us running into that debt is, is risky. So if you have a collection of like uh, I forget how many llamas uh, is there. I, I own a llama too, so I, I definitely am interested in, in onboarding the llamas. <laughs> but we need to, to drive in a volume to where we have a chainlink oracle. And having the, the chain link oracle would require like like us to poke the, the chain link uh, team, you know, yeah. quite a bit. Um, but let's just say like we're trying to capitalize, you know, like like the, the sort of the the long tail of NFT platforms because it's really easy to to capture like eighty percent of the, the LTV, which almost all the platforms now you know features like uh, you know pumps, Basie. Macy, my ladies, you know, Azuki's, uh, Pingu's, and so on. You know, like, I'm probably missing a few uh, Fidenzas, maybe. Mm -hmm. But the, the point being is that there's a lot of NFTs, including like like DGN Friends collection. You know, like like how do you capitalize on that? And the way that I would have it done, um, as I thought about it this morning, is if you if an NFT collection wants to put up a deposit, you know, like like maybe about 100 ETH, so that way it guarantees that there's some underwriting of debt. You know, it's a bet that, hey, this, this ETH, you know, this ETH deposit won't be eaten into because, like, like the, the price in which we set, you know, will not be eaten into because there will be buyers when, when it gets liquidated. You know, so you put up a deposit, safe, right? Yeah, let's just say you want the Llama collection on there and you put up a 100 ETH deposit. If it gets eaten into, like, like about, like, 50 ETH, uh, because of liquidation, it means like the the price, you know, is, is probably overpriced, and so it's a bad thing. So we'll we'll stop it, you know, and, and return your deposit. And that that could be a possibility, or we can substitute that with with JPEG. You know, like, mm. like the uh, the JPEG liquidity is, is insane. Like uh, it's one of the underestimated uh, sort of uh, liquidity pools in in DeFi. 
like we own so much protocol on liquidity that, that no one can, can sort of dump on us and cause a cascade liquidation. We are talking about 5.8 billion JPEG at this point, you know, in, in liquidity and half of it is owned by the protocol. So we can do a lot of things with that. We can use it as collateral, you know, to synthesize like, like uh, PE, we can, uh, you know, subsidize it. We can do uh, mm -hmm. collaterals on other platforms and so on. Um, you can do a lot with, with like large liquidity. It's, it's one of the uh, things I'm looking at right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I think um, that's a super interesting concept of like, you know, you have this like kind of cold start problem on NFT collections and yeah. like your solution is essentially like, hey, we'll let you play. You just need to backstop this until we're confident that we don't need you anymore. And yeah. um, I like that. Yeah. Let's say like like one llama. I don't know what, what the riff is. You know, it is uh, 10 ETH, let's just say. So mm -hmm. if you get liquidated on the market and the LTV is like, I don't know, 40%, and you sell it on the market with a penalty for like five ETH, then somebody's gonna snatch it up. So your deposit will not get eaten into. But if nobody, you know, wants to buy it, then of course like that deposit gets eaten into. So uh, yeah, deposit gets subtracted by five ETH. So after 20 liquidations, you know, we get it. And so we have to halt that collection. But that would be a schematic in the future that I have to flush out, you know. So I said like the first nuke would drop and it did drop you know, with a bunch of features. There will be a second uh, nuke and, and a third nuke in the future, uh, probably in late January. I can't tell you what it is, but it, it's there. You know, like there's always something cooking. Yeah, well, touch your note, I think like one of the things that has always like been special about the way that you engage with these projects is that like, I've never seen someone create like a narrative hype train in front of them in the way that you do. Like you literally yeah. tell people that something's about to drop and you better get in and then you do it. <laughs> yeah. And man, I just uh, you, like, you're redefining what it means to be a market maker because before what it meant is like you show up with your cash and like you're actually making markets. <laughs> yeah, like I said, you know, there's a lot of smart people in the space, like even smarter than I am. Um, uh, they, they, uh, they are very focused on, on certain details, you know, and, and so they bring up certain problems and, and I ask like, okay, there's a problem, you know, that's qualitative, but whenever there's a problem, I'm always asking like, is there, have you assessed it quantitatively? How much, how much is that problem? You know, like, like, is it, is it 1% chipping damage or is it actually like, like tanking the entire protocol? So yeah. that, that kind of makes me different from, from like the other uh, sort of uh, players in the space in that I see the qualitative having skin in the game. Actually, like, like having skin in the game gives you quantitative uh, backing of how big the problem is. So you can decide the trade-off, you know, to go forward with it or not. It's like, okay, you know, if you're concerned about slippage, how much is that slippage? You know, like with that, how much does that eat into profit? Is it net EV? You know, positive. Mm -hmm. And if it's good, go forward. So, you know, as, as someone who, who sort of designs the, the protocol, as someone who sets the parameters, as someone who is the biggest customer in the market, like I can see the entire stack, you know. And if anyone is, is going to feel it, it's me first and foremost. So I must eat what I cook. This is ultimately yeah. skin in the game. Yeah.
Yeah, man. And so I, uh, you know, I, I was going to move this into a bigger uh, conversation, but we just got a great question from our friend Barry, um, which he's asked, um, how do you compare what uh, JPEG is bringing to market with some of these uh, NFT lending platforms that are directly integrated into marketplace? And like, obviously the one that I'm referring to is Blend, but how do you think about um, these like integrated services and like how JPEG like differentiates and like, dumps on them? <laughs> okay, so first and foremost, we don't have any fees in debt. We have a $60 million treasury and that gives us like a huge advantage. Let's just say, you know, like, like a leading platform is generating after revenue and everything, like about 2 million in profit. That would be, you know, three decades of, of you know, <laughs> profit before they can be on parity with us. And secondly, if we see any features on the market that, that you know, looks attractive and, uh, and works, We'll just uh, have to adapt to it. Yeah, bring it into our platform. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the game of yeah. open source and composability, so, right? Check this out. Like the JPEG founders are absolute chats. You know, like like some of us in there, we don't even take pay because we we don't care about money. You know, we're mm -hmm. we care about winning because we already made it from the last few cycles, and so we're trying to bring the product into the market. And right now, it's just a bonus round, and we want to win. Yeah, know, like JPEG might be the number three or number four platform, but there's there's just like a ton of stuff boiling in the background, and and I can't thank like the JPEG devs enough. You know, like like Spaghetti, Lease, you know, like like Tui and and all the others. Like, like uh, I had to pull up like the, like the Telegram here just just to give a shout out to like the entire team here. You know, like like there's Derek, the the, the sort of the PR. You know, there's there's BT, the founder. Shit, the list goes on yeah. and on. Yeah, no, for sure. And I guess like just to kind of like double up on my question, like specifically, do you have any insights on like the vertical integration between marketplaces and lending platforms? Or do you think that there's like something insightful there that JPEG needs to pay attention to? Or do you see that as like zero margin businesses just need to add as much more products as possible? <laughs> Um, the way that we do it, like, like I also like look at the pools too, is mm -hmm. that if there's a big enough delta in, in the market or there's a big enough delta between us and the market, someone is going to build a bridge product to arc that difference. So all we have to do is just focus on, on what makes us great, you know, acquiring new collections, new features. And most of all, keep the yields high. And, and that is like a beacon that can be seen from a mile away. So it's less work for us. And so we, we are totally on chain. We don't touch anything, you know, like, like legal lease. So we're yeah. uh, floating in outer space somewhere. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And I think like what, if I was doing a little bit of your marketing for you, like what I would say is that like nobody is like trying to build on DeFi as a platform like JPEG is. And like JPEG is like not just like using Curve as a DEX, but like using it as like a supercharger in a way that like no other protocol is yeah. like figured out yet. And so, um, so, you know, when I just look at what you're doing, it's about like mastery right. as opposed to features. <laughs> so, you know, speaking of marketing, like, like we had several of our JPEG guys, you know, go to like the NFT parties. And <laughs> so 
you know, they, they asked around and, and word on the street is that, you know, they, the, the platform such as like uh, Ben, you know, or Paraspace, uh, they're, they're from a different spirit. They're not in the Western spirit, you know, they're, they're mostly based in China. So there's, mm -hmm. there's uh, a lot of the communities, you know, it's, it's uh, the difference between like the Western sphere and, and the, uh, the Sinosphere. So, yeah. um, you know, take on that what as you will. Um, but JPEG is reputable and everyone's heard of it. So that, that reputation carries us very far in the Western space. We don't have a foothold in the, in the Chinese community, but, you know, that yield, it can be seen internationally. <laughs> so we get quite a bit of uh, Chinese members here, too. Well, I, yeah, I guess what you're saying is that uh, yield is uh, translates to all um, languages. But yeah. since we're on the topic, do you have any kind of insights or reflections on like the major differences between the Eastern and Western crypto communities? And do you think there's anything that us Westerners like really need to learn from the Easterners? Let's see. The Easterners, I think, mobilize better than anybody else in terms of organizing events, you know, and, and very mm. large events at that. So like, you can see it reflected in the TVL, like like the competition, like we're about like maybe three to four X away from, from number one. Um, but the Western world is is ready to uh, experiment, you know, like like you can see like the uh, sort of managerial structure in Paraswap, it, it resembles a company. Mm -hmm. And where there is structures in, in how people sort of operate, you know, it, it kind of limits creativity and, and it limits the response speed of, of certain things. Yeah, so I think in, I... Mm -hmm. in, in JPEG, you know, the, the, the structure is very flat. Like every time we have a, a Weenus party meeting, you know, like, like everybody is there. It's just like a group of like nine or 10 of us just, just like chatting away and, and anybody is free to input. And so I do believe that, that as a group get bigger, you know, like past a certain number, like maybe a dozen or six to a dozen, depending on, on the team, that the sort of um, overhead, you know, of communication and, and coordination, it, it's, it's a net negative, you know, going past a certain numbers. And at the core of every team, you know, there's, there's just like half a dozen guys, you know, making the key decisions and everybody else just follows in any group, no matter how much you scale it, you know, like, yeah. yeah. I think we're feeling it now at Leviathan, uh, kind of starting to uh, happen. Right? Don't you? Uh, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, Tetra, I, I think I heard you say at some point that like Easterners are really, really, really good at execution. Like mm -hmm. we can't, yeah. Westerners can't even compare. But like, have a lot of problems with like innovation and creativity. And, yeah, like I, yeah, I, I can go over that. You're saying <laughs> okay so you know like like uh there's this concept you know like like the the eastern sphere is very confucian in nature you know like like they they're like four thousand years of civilizations you know they, they have these confucian concepts like filial piety and, and work hard you know and, and scholarly down so they get their execution part nailed down through through sheer discipline and, and practice what the West is different from is, is like the West is very, uh, there's a lot of dynamism, you know, through evolution of, of warfare, you know, and, and just exploring new land. So mm -hmm. the West is very exploratory in, in nature. You know, so you have those, those two sort of mentalities uh, 
uh, sort of uh, separating the, the, the West and, and the East, right? So the, the East is very good at executing things, you know, but I don't see a lot of innovation coming from them uh, from, from a global perspective. You know, they, they might invent a lot of things that, that makes things more efficient. But if you look at like the, 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 what the population in general is doing, you know, like, like let's just say you're practicing, like if you're a, a kid in, in China, you, you're, you're practicing the piano, you know, but the thing is like all the other kids are practicing the piano too. Everybody's doing the same thing because the parents, you know, you know just, just wants the kid to excel at, at something. But the ability to pursue, you know, what one's strengths and weaknesses are in the West, you know, and so, there's more chances of failure, but there's also great chances of success as well. So it's higher risk, higher reward in the West, and it's just structured differently. So you're free to pursue your passion, you know, whether that ends up in, in success or failure, it's up to you. So you have like Western uh, individualism, you know, like, like the uh, American rugged individualism is, is very strong in, in how we innovate. Um, and then you have like, like the Eastern, you know, professionality and execution. You know, yeah. Like, like I'm sure there's, there's, there's a, there's a ton of like Chinese engineer who consistently delivered, you know, and I've, I've met quite a few of them. They're amazing. Yeah. But overall, you know, like, like each sphere has something to contribute. And I have the fortune of, of meeting like both sides, you know, and, and bringing it to emerge into the space. Yeah. yeah. Great thing awaits. Well, as we're talking about this, like crossing of the Pacific, um, how important do you think that is for, you know, JPEG or really any protocol that's sitting on one side of the ocean to be like actively looking into, you know, bridging into the other community, explaining what you're doing, trying to get people over? Or do you think that um, we're still young and new and like energetic enough yeah. that like we just need to worry about the people we can talk to? I, I think it's easier for the the Chinese community, or should I say, like like the the Eastern community, you know, to get into Western space because like they know English better than, than <laughs> we do uh, Chinese, and so it's it's very easy at that, and and they're very uh, you know cutthroat about like getting the most people into the space. So you know, as as like a JPEG is, is definitely a Western protocol. So as a Western protocol we communicate through the languages of, of math and just pure yield. So I think that that's yeah. a great strategy that's been working for us because we have a lot of like large uh, Chinese customers, you know, who, who ask all kinds of questions and, and we were happy to answer it. You know? mm -hmm. So it's been working great. Everybody likes making money. So we have that in common at least. Yeah, a universal language in that case. Yes. Yeah, so the flip side of yield is dumping on people. Uh, does your reputation for dumping on people hurt you in any way? Um, you know, like, like uh, that's the anti-fragile way. You know, like, like, like think about it this way. You know, you're, you're constantly poking and making fun of people, you know, and, and on the other opposite, you know, you're, you're, so, you're, you're so nice and, and you're so milk toast that, that ultimately it blows up in a tailwind event, you know. It's like... Uh, the sort of, well, it, it brings up into cancel culture in, in my view on, on things, you know, like, like in, in my ideal world, people would be constantly making fun of each other's stereotype, you know, <laughs> whether that's, that's Jewish or Chinese, you know, or, or Burgerland Americans and, and all that stuff. It, it kind of takes away some attention, you know, like, like just let things be. But right now we have like, like a bunch of, of, you know, policies in place that sterilizes the entire space. 
so that people don't have identities. They're, they're basically, you know, eunuchs and, and they got their dicks chopped off. Um, and so that's going to blow up in, in a talent event. You know, you, you see pe people being more on edge than usual because like they're, they're always aware of these things like microaggression and, and stuff like that. You know, and I, I just tell them, go suck a dick, dude. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to say say that. In, no, in, no. Uh, okay. Here, right? I don't want to bring negative attention, anyways. But, but uh, yeah, I I uh, I can't be canceled because I live on. <laughs> so you know, you you can hear me say like like stuff like this. I I don't give a shit. You know. Yeah. So ultimately, I want to bring that freedom to the rest of like the crypto world. Yeah. So we live in crypto. Yeah. Um, Tetra, is, there, is that related to uh, what you said uh, earlier about the fact that, you know, the guys who uh, like made the, the guys behind JPEG, like yourself and uh, D5Fog and uh, for sure others, uh, you guys have already made it on the previous cycles, like you say. And, uh, and you said earlier yeah. that uh, what you care about is winning. So yeah. uh, I wanted to ask you, like, what is winning in your mind? Because I think that what you've uh, just explained about uh, your view on uh, <clears throat> cancel culture and all that stuff and the fact that yeah. you want to bring this freedom out there, I think it's a part of your, uh, in my mind at least, your kind of a bigger agenda uh, that, uh, sure, you can just walk away and uh, don't do anything like you've already made it, but uh, here you are and you're yeah. working. And I'm sure that uh, from what I remember you saying, you're working like, uh, I don't know, Uh, 12 hours plus a day. So maybe you can share a bit on what uh, right, drives you, right. what motivates you. Yeah, those are very good uh, topics to be brought up. And so let, let's uh, break it down and let's see how they can address it one by one, right? So the difference between, like, I was uh, very, very poor, of course, like 10 years ago, I was washing dishes, you know, and, and uh, stuck in student debt. And uh, I live in, in a very bad neighborhood, right? And so the mentality I had back then, you know, when you're poor, it's like not just the, the fact of being poor, you're suffering so much that, that you're just looking for the next paycheck and you're just wanting like, like an ounce, like, oh, 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 I can make like, like $5,000, you know, like, like, where's that coming from? So that's the mentality of a lot of like uh, DeFi um, retail right now. And because of that, like they built the protocol in such a way that, that it pumps and, and they exit, you know, at, at the cost of like the longevity of the protocol. So for me, I focus on the infrastructure and there's, there's a lot of turning points, you know, in, in the uh, tokenomic advising where I can just choose the easy way out, you know, and, and take a ton of profit from that. For example, like if I were to implement one-sided staking, well, I have a, such a large like stake in the protocol that I can continually take profit off of it, you know, and, and leach the life out of the protocol. So I say, no, you know, that's not the right way to do it. We build infrastructure because I have my own stream of money and that's independent from what I'm doing for the protocol. I want to be able to, well, let's say, control things, you know, like, like it's beyond the money is, is not important anymore. I want control. I want domination of the space. And what that means is, is to build like, like this, this huge infrastructure, you know, that, that uh, plays a long con. So, so yeah, no, right? do you have any thoughts about, so you talk about, you know, uh, not just you, but a lot of the other guys working on JPEG have already made it. Do you have any yeah. thoughts on working with the people, founders who have made it versus founders who haven't made it and, You know, what is the differences you see 
between like the ways they act if they haven't made it? Um, well, people who made it, you know, don't need to promise things that, that they can't deliver. Like founders who have not made it, you know, will, will probably promise uh, a lot of things that, that they can't cash the check on. Uh, I mean, it, it's not black and white, you know, there, there are spectrums in between. Like, for example, I made it. So if I said something that's coming, then, then, you know, I delivered that pizza by myself. Right. So. Yeah. Um, so maybe yeah. it's not necessarily about who, if you've made it or not, and more about just who you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, and uh, right. I mean, people have, of, have given me like, like uh, a lot of like uncollateralized loan that, that I actually just like returned it, you know, I'm talking about like, handling seven figures and handling that because I don't need it. You know, I don't need the money. So this, this is a kind of trust, you know, that they can only be built like uh, through years and years of, of not rugging people, of not, you know, of, of keeping the policy. A dollar is a dollar. And you never uh, want to, to give up that reputation because it's, it's, uh, it generates a lot more value than what's at hand. And a lot of people haven't, gotten to that point and in fact they have character flaws that prevent them from doing so yeah. I'm curious if you've read the book the 48 laws of power because they talk a lot about this very subject which is that you know money's great but power is everything and money has to be put into circulation in order to accumulate or acquire power because uh, if you haven't read it it sounds like it's like a page read out of your playbook yeah i mean you know like, like i read it when i was 13 so i don't know how i got my hands on that i think i read some some newsweek magazine and and they were just doing some great reviews on it. So I got my hands on it. And so it, you know, like it's a lot of stuff you, you were back in 13 is absolutely retarded. It's, it's stupid, you know, but at first, you know, if you practice it, you look really, really stupid, right? With anything else, you're going to get laughed at, you know, you're, you're going to call it, get called a goofball and, and you're doing all, all kinds of these things. But after like a decade of doing it, you know, two decades of doing it, it becomes second nature to you and, and it's just absorbed. You know, like like the way that, that we deal with people, you know, you who know who you're you're dealing with and, and just like all the things that is related to politics and power. Like that's why I was able to scale the, the private Discord and, and just get a bunch of uh, people with my cloud. It doesn't just like come from from sheer luck. There's a lot of rich people out there, you know, there's some people like like that are that are like a hundred times my size, but they yeah know how to play it yeah no Tetra, you couldn't be more right because like the it's so easy to just think like if you have enough money you've made it and you can do tetra no things but like i don't know man like i'm not around and like i don't listen to you and i don't trust you because of like any money man like you you made it big long before i even got into this space like all we have are reputations and like the the people that we leave behind and like the things that they have to say about us and so like yeah, I mean, like for anyone that's trying to make it out there big, like let the lesson be known that it's like it's not yeah. about like getting as much money as quickly as possible. Um, it's about building like you as a reputation and as a builder and as like somebody who people want to go to. Yeah, like you know, like um, yeah, it, it's a good thing you brought up that I think just like in in professions, you know, like like in computer science and in professions, like if you're working for Intel. You know, there's there's like two 
ladders that you can climb. You know, you can climb the technical ladder or you can climb the social ladder, the career ladder, you know, and, and it's never black and white. It's, it's a combination of both, right? So in DeFi, it's the same thing. Like, like uh, DeFi is such a fascinating topic because it's like it's not just rooted in, in computer science and in cryptography, you know, and economics. It's just like everything is so political, you know. And, and I was lucky enough to like get my hands on on uh, sort of political practice before I even entered the space, you know. Like I was in student government, you know. I, I I was the founder of like several clubs in my colleges. So this stuff, this stuff here, like like once I achieved like like the the foundation, you know. Like once I learned cryptography and about foundations, like bam, networking just just becomes uh, very easy to me. It did not come easy in the real world because like sometimes like like my my potty mouth you know gets me into hr it's like you can't make these these ha, 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 you know masculine jokes like like between uh for for example you know like like i was talking to to one of my co-workers and and we were joking you know like like shit, you know there's, there's just like so many whales at, at our workplace you know when we were talking about bitcoin in 2014 and so hr got it caught that, you know, and, and they pulled us both into the office and they were like, what do you mean by that? And we were looking at each other and we were like, fuck. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and so after that, like, like, uh, you know, my, my buddy and I didn't have the same work hours anymore. Like, I know how, how it's like to work in retail, you know, but I, I also know how it's like to be like, like at the command of like, uh, a place, uh, uh right now, you know, like, like the private discord that, that, we may or may not be in. So um, shifting gears a little bit, uh, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on just like DeFi more broadly. I remember like a year ago when things started getting bad, uh, I posted a meme that caught on. It was like a picture of a beached orca, which I badly photoshopped to have your gauntlet. Yeah. And it was like all destroyed and everything. Um, but like, it seems like DeFi is getting like a resurgence of attention. So I'm curious how your portfolio stood up, like what you're still excited about. If there's pieces of your kind of personal investments that you think are like have like gone astray during this period. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of investments, you know, that have gone astray. I'll I'll just let like everyone else figure it out. I don't want to badmouth like any protocols. You know, it's there, but ultimately, like, I'm able to pick up the the pieces from the ash, and, and you know, it's better for everyone to know, like, like I lost everything, and, and now I'm uh, you know working my my uh, forty hour a week job again. I mean, we see your uniform on your PFP. You can't hide it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's back to uh, taking a nap uh, on on breaks instead of uh, taking a nap anywhere else, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, some of the protocols, uh, well, like JPEG, it's it's uh, I'm working on it, so it doesn't matter what the market price is. Like I'm yeah. working on it, I'm working on the cash flow, and if it's low enough, like I'll collect some more. But right now, yeah. you know, like, like what I'm focused on is, is like the frogs and, and the orc, uh, you know, trifecta that, that we have going on, which is like Tzoc, Chad, uh, DeFi Frog, and myself, right? There are some great products uh, that Dopex is, is cooking up for capital formation, you know, including like RDPX uh, V2, which, which uh, you know, is, is taking notes from all the previous protocol that, that have, you know, some strengths and, and uh, like they've taken a note from Olympus, they've taken a note from Synthetics, they've taken a note from even Luna. You know, 
in in safeguarding against like like complete talent events which uh, crashes it down to zero. So they're launching that as an experiment. It's it's been in the specs. You know the specs been cooking back and forth, and, and they're very very cautious about it. But it's launching, so it's coming yeah. out. Yeah, man. Well, first of all, like cheers for. Um rdpx v2 i mean that's yeah. been one uh, for a long time yeah. but um i guess when like, using the metaphor of your infinity gauntlet like how much do you think about each one of these projects as like pieces of a puzzle that like down the road you want to integrate and how much do you think this is a good idea and a good project and i'm going to run with it um, and we'll see if it if it comes right. together like like for example you know like uh i have the ears of nesta finance as a stakeholder so if I'm looking for something as collateral, I'll just phone them up and, and tell them, hey, you know, like, like uh, what have you got for JPEG? So we just did that with Silo Finance, you know, like, like I don't have a safe in Silo, but um, we, we work together, we're, we're in the same room, you know, like, like there's, there's a hidden room somewhere, which uh, <laughs> I don't know, you guys are aware of it, I don't know. <laughs> um, that it's kind of like a chat roulette for, for DeFi founders, essentially. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's there's, right. there's that's like a hairy player. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like that that room, you know, it's it's one of the. Well, I can't share too much details. We can't even like say who's in it or who's not in it, because it follows like the the chat on house rules. But it's one of the my greatest achievement in DeFi that I cannot talk about, you know, without disclosing like like what it is, because the amount of effort it takes, you know, like imagine the Bilderberg group and. And you know, you're, you're, it's, it's a constant retreat, like 24 seven that, that separates like, the signal from the noise. It's insane. And I can tell you like, like there are people who, I mean, like, like what is the price of that membership? You know, there are people who actually like, uh, paid $15,000 to be in there. So I found them and I kicked them out. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I, I don't even know how to process everything you just told yeah, us the black market <laughs> price the black market price for for being in a group is apparently fifteen thousand dollars and, and i kind of uh eat it them so there are, there are checks in, in in places you know we can't disclose like with what it is but um yeah all right it, so anyway i'm gonna set up a gofundme for thirty thousand dollars so i can get into tetra's house but otherwise <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah we know 15 um, will cut it <laughs> I mean, like, like, you know, it, it's not like, like about the money in there. It's more about like, like what you can bring to it. Cause that group originally started out as like a bunch of DeFi farmers, you know? So it started out as like a settlement and then it, it got built into a farming community. And then it's like a, now in a small town phase and, you know, like, like it's, it's great just, just experimenting with human organizations and, and seeing what works and what doesn't. Because at the heart of it all, I, I believe that humans are a village creature and, and we don't scale well past like 5,000 members, you know. All kinds of things like corruption and infighting happens past 5,000. But if you can keep like an organization as like a small village where you're the chief team, then you still retain all of the human elements that, that makes a organization successful, you know. So Dunbar's number is 150. 150 yeah, yeah. people is the limit a human can uh, really keep track of. So if yeah, it's yeah. like even if like 5,000, you have to start subdividing. A whale can keep track of 5,000. That's true. <laughs> whale, 5,000 is pod. 
Yeah. So no matter like what organization suit we're running, you know, whether it's it's that hidden organization or or JPEG or all that stuff, you know, like like the the scaling thing at, at the heart, uh, like the the human scaling, is very very important when when we look to onboard who you know and, and who's part of the community and, and who is uh, you know out on the fringes. So while you're thinking about your this community that you're talking about and you're looking for people that like would be a good part of it. Yeah. And I don't even want to talk about your community. I, just in general, when you're looking out of, um, in terms of like the people that are like real builders and are here to like change the world through DeFi versus like, how do you uh, differentiate those kinds of people versus like the tourists and the scammers and the people who are just here to make a quick buck? When I look for people like me who are putting information out there, you know, with without mm -hmm. an agenda, it's like research stuff, like, like, look at you. You know, you, I, I found you because you were putting out so much good stuff about like Ethereum scaling and you were drawing like, like these uh, structures um, that, you know, it's it's easy to see like like who is, is able to, to put out that much alpha. I mean, I've recruited like some people who, who built me like, like these uh, like curved, uh, these curved finance calculators that I was able to use. It's like, hey, you know, like, like I know you got more than that, but let's go in. And once I get that organization going, once I hook them up to like the, the DeFi founders, like some people's careers have changed because of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just your tweet can change the trajectory of a protocol. So I'm sure you can definitely change the trajectory of a career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, um, yeah. That, that's, that's because like whenever I say when something's going to happen, it's going to happen. You know? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm, I'm in computer science, you know, you're in computer science, uh, we're very uh, sort of... Deterministic. Well, deterministic, right? We don't want to play like, like the game of poker. When we say something, it's, it's one, it's going to be one. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I think we've talked about JPEG, we've talked about cancel culture, we've talked about doubt, we've talked about everything. And like, no matter where we get, like, this conversation keeps coming back to is like all you have is your reputation and like the things you put out yeah. there and the connections that you make and um you know i think especially if like all you know about like tetranode or any one of us is like through what you see on twitter um you're not you're not getting what's happening here and so um man i just again i i uh i have so much respect for like what you're building and and um Fuck, man, like tokenomics are real. You're like one of the few people that are like pushing tokenomics as a academic discipline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because like uh, it's it's really easy to see which one in the free market will succeed and in which one is fell through like iterative loops and, and years and years of uh, yeah. experimentation. Right. You know what I have to what I have to say to the audience out there who's looking to make it big in crypto? What Tetranode has just confirmed, but we already knew from our Lord and Savior, Vitalik, if you ever want to get involved in the space, you just need to go start shitposting. Because <laughs> yeah. that apparently, like that, it's like create education and share it with the world. Like that is the story of Vitalik in Bitcoin Magazine. Right. That's the story of Tetranode and Curve Research. Like this is so, uh, how you get involved. So check this out. Like, like the way I got like the attention of like, you know, the Uniswap team is, is through shitposting on Twitter. You know, I claim to have like like the largest LP. You know that that may be LARP or, or not. You know, you, I I will let that up to the audience to decide. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, I tell them like like 
I put out the Excel sheet and, and the, the map behind it, you know, and I run through like the audience and it, it wasn't for any money because I'm already making money. I'm just showing people how to do it, you know, just to kind of educate the space because crypto back then, everybody think is a scam. And so I like to think otherwise, so I'm, I'm trying to forward the space, you know, I'm trying to move the space forward. Um, so I, I share with people like market making math. And so the use swap team reached out to me, you know, and, and got my uh, input and feedback on, on several misalignments features. Uh, and then I got my start from there. Right. So, so one, yeah, one of the interesting ahead. things about tokenomics is that it, you really have to have had a lot of money and influence in the space to really be able to play around like you have with like learning tokenomics design. It's not something that like a random McDonald's like coworker of yours could just like get experience very easily. So for those of you, uh, those, the, those in the audience who are like new to tokenomics out there, what are your basic principles when you look mm -hmm. at like how to put together tokenomics around a platform? Okay. I'd explain this uh, before I forget my train of thought, right? So yeah. what I learned from playing StarCraft II is that you can either scout or you can be the aggressor. You know, mm -hmm. I consider myself uh, the aggressor in this case. There are a ton of blockchain uh, analytics and, and there's a ton of blockchain anal analysts, you know, who could read the blockchain and have better tooling than I can ever imagine, like Manson AI is one of them. But um, ultimately, um, with my market making power, I, I make the moves, you know, and then I'm able to just kind of feel out the market by, by just uh, pushing it around. So the other, you know, who, who has like better scouting power, they're able to kind of proactively react to the market by buying enough stuff, you know, LP at the right time and exit at the right time. Mm -hmm. So you, you kind of have that, that, that thing going, you know, so lessons learned from playing StarCraft can be applied here. Yeah. All right. So um, we've been going for an hour now. I think um, I'll ask the panel here if we have any final questions for Mr. Node. I think we for sure. It's more, it's more of a question of how long uh, does Tetra still have uh, time to talk to us? Because I think that we can definitely... Uh, well, T-Advisor, if you have any questions, please ask them. For sure, for sure. Tetra, uh, you know, it, it definitely seems that uh, for you, it's mostly about uh, how you're going to shape the DeFi uh, world, like the way you want it to be, because you've brought yourself to this position. And I'm very curious about uh, your advice today to young uh, entrepreneurs uh, in this space. Uh, for example, right. teams with uh, new projects that haven't made it yet. And they like, uh, you know, these some of the guys I talk to, these are amazingly bright young uh, devs who really want to change the world, who really want to create uh, a new financial uh, system. What's your uh, kind of line of thought and advices for uh, how, do, how do these people should go about, what, do, what should they be focused on, and right. whatever you think that they should know? Okay, two things. Uh, get the first principle assumption correct. Get the math correct. That's what I did, you know. When I uh, first invested into Bitcoin, I did not think about it as, as like a stock investment, but I went into the cryptography and, and I dug deep. I went and subscribed to like the Bitcoin Foundation email. And then I saw the back and forth. I even asked them, you know, questions about like, like the hashing algorithms, you know, and, and the extent and, and the limits of the, the security, right? And the secondly, after you get your, your zeros and ones, zeros and ones, do something. 
anything, you know, because like at the end of the day, even if you fail, you know what didn't work and you can learn it from there. You know? So get your foundations correct, you know, get your, get your computer science, learn to program, uh, learn cryptography, learn how, how the protocol works and learn how, how elliptical curve cryptography works, you know, and from there, you can make the assumptions, you can make the correct assumptions, uh, you know, you can learn the, you can make the correct implications of the economics and then just build from there. You need to get your, your Lego blocks correct uh, at the bottom because without that base, everything else collapses, right? And then just do something, do something in the space, take action, you know, anything. Don't just sit there, code it up. Definitely. One very quick question to wrap up, perhaps, uh, unless there's other questions. Uh, something we're discussing before the show is um, your mascot is this whale slash bunny hybrid. Uh, so which came first? Were you a bunny that got super rich and became a whale? Or were you like a whale that somehow grew rabbit ears? What's the origin behind okay. this like famous the, like, figure? The evolution, you know, it's mostly attributed to Ratwell, uh, one of my artists. So first of all, you know, like, like I have a Orca profile picture. And then uh, I saw this this uh, Bugs Bunny, you know, the, the big chunkiest rabbit, you know, and and I heard all the politically incorrect stuff like Reddit actually banned the big chunkiest stuff. Reddit, can you believe it? For what, you know, for for making fun of fat people? And so I thought it was politically incorrect, you know. So I I told Ratwell to go in and draw that that thing for me, but with like my profile picture, and that's how it is, you know, like like crypto. It's about currently it's about defining the powers that be, you know, and I think that, that fits very well into the ethos in, in which we do. Because crypto has its evolution in the uh, Napster uh, BitTorrent space. So a little bit of story for, for those born after uh, this, this uh, sort of event. Back then, you know, you had the first file sharing, one of the first file sharing uh, protocols, which is Napster, and uh, people can share music, you know, movies. It follows the MIT hackers ethic that information should be free. You know, it should be free, then uh, it's okay if, if you share the, the bits and, and pieces, you know, you're not stealing anyone's sandwiches, you're, you're just uh, enriching uh, the, the information space. I digress. So, the legals, the suits didn't like that. You know, they wanted control. They they want profit, so they shutted it down, right? So then the hackers became smarter than that, and so they they deployed this protocol it's called BitTorrent. You know, any computer can run BitTorrent. There's not really a server that that you can uh, see. You know, in BitTorrent is a mesh network. So from there. Um, you know, that, that forms kind of the, the precursory architecture for, for crypto, coincidentally. No. Now, most people who are not in computer science, they cannot conceptualize the, the spatial architecture of crypto. You know, they, they think it's like on the server, you know, with the Bitcoin farming and, and mining like that. I like to give them a better example in the real world of how crypto works. So in 1999, the British handed back Hong Kong to China, right? And then several decades after that, I believe it was like 
in, in the 2020s, um, China started implementing these uh, laws where if anyone is accused of a crime in Hong Kong, they can be extradited to mainland China, you know, and, and uh, they can hop aboard those execution vans. Now, the students having a taste of freedom in the Hong Kong uh, city, they did not like that. So, of course, there were rioting and protests everywhere. So the ISP shut those students down. So what happens is the students were had like 150 IQ, so they, they use their phones, you know, as a sort of a broadcast signal to other students. So it's a mesh network. So even if the government um, sees one of the students' phones, you know, and, and uh, stop the ISP, they can still have a mesh network of communication amongst each other. And so it's resilient and it's it's uh, uh, censorship resistant, you know. So those instances of mesh network and anti-fragility, we can see happening in the real world, you know, and, and so it has a lot of its parallel in crypto. The heart of crypto is not just about the money. You know, once we get to that stage, we start thinking about like the long-term viability and how to keep that infrastructure alive. So from there, you know, like, like we can build a network that is sort of parallel to the traditional top-down infrastructure and we can really change the world off of that. And so I know a lot of the Gen Z, you know, they're, they, they have no hopes in, in the traditional infrastructure of corruption, of tyranny, of stifling free speech, you know, of getting canceled for, for saying things that, that are natural to us. You know, we're village creatures after all. But in crypto, there's always hope, you know. Yeah. We can no, be, man, touch your yeah, Sorry right. to interrupt, but I just like have to jump in here and build on what you're saying about um, what was happening in China, because if you need another example of how important this stuff is, like I'm living it today. Like my fiance is Russian. Her whole family is still in Moscow. And whether it was the mobilization six months ago or this coup or whatever, every moment is the question of if we need to flee right now and like if the government like just collapses and it's anarchy what does that mean for me and my family and crypto mm -hmm. is what gives us the ability to take that control in your own hands yes yes supposedly you know russia invaded ukraine and, and again you know and uh you know what what are you supposed to do with, with your money keep it in the bank you know there's a bank run well i, I mean it's even that, crazier yeah. than that like in Moscow, they were handing out draft papers like in the subway to like young man who walk who would walk by. Like yeah. in that situation, like are you prepared to free your flee your country? And if you are, like, what assets are you going to take with you? Yeah, yeah, we all know that too well. You know, we always plan as as like crypto natives, you know, to walk buck naked across the border and still be worth what what it is in our uh, Swiss. Uh, in our I mean, I literally think about that, like on a daily basis, yeah. and it's hard in America, and it's hard for the West, but crypto is not like coming yeah. or use cases aren't coming like this is real shit that matters to real people. Right. And, um, you know, like just a random thought, like Dilquan was so fucking stupid, you know, there's there's a lot of ways that, that you can transport private key across the seas without shoving up your ass. <laughs> Okay, I think we got it. we got to just end it right there. The yeah. life advice from Tetra is if you are fleeing, don't shove it up your ass. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
Mr. Yeah. Node, thank you so much for the time yeah. you spent today um, talking about JPEG, talking about your experience and your views. And um, I swear to God, man, whether it's on Bankless or on any of your other podcasts or on here, it's just such, such an honor and a treat to uh, to be able to pick your brain. So oh, yeah, thank you likewise. so much. And, you guys uh, are great yeah, hosts and, and you're asking all the right questions. I know you guys are crypto native, you know, and, and you know, we're, we're just basically conversating with each other, essentially. Yeah, I hope uh, Leviathan, you know, gets gets the audience that they, they want, you know, and uh, we'll continue on the follow up podcast. Maybe yeah, much appreciated. And us squids, we'll be and, sure to keep an eye out for whales out in the ocean. We know they're friendly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you uh, so much, Touch Your Node. Thank you so much, other squids and uh, audience. We'll see you tomorrow morning. All right, have a great day. Thank you, guys. Goodbye, sir.